Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us safely through another week. We thank you for another Sabbath. Lord, we just ask you for the joy of our salvation, Lord. And we ask you that as we study today, that you would send your Holy Spirit, Lord, to open up our understanding and lead us into all truth and help us to glean, Lord, the, the truth from these things and principles from the things that we're reading so that we can apply those things to our lives. We thank you. We praise you. We lift up your name. Uh, bless all those attending the class today, whether it is on the Zoom or um, virtually on any of our other platforms. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you be with us and help us as we study. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tell them again what you Karen, I'm sorry. I have not received, you know, how you send out those nice uh, notices with, with all the information. I didn't yes. receive one um, for the past two weeks. So I don't have, I didn't do any, you know, study ahead of time. But what chapter did you say that was? You said volume okay. one. Okay. Today we're studying from the book Testimonies for the Church, volume one, chapter 87. Okay, and I'm going to go ahead and share the Facebook feed while we're before we get started. Give me just a moment as I share. Okay, now we're going to go ahead and get started. Again, I hope you're having a wonderful Sabbath and that your day has been blessed thus far, that if you've had a chance to have Sabbath lunch, that it was good. And uh, the chapter 87 is dealing with recreation for Christians. And when I saw that title, um, I was very curious as to what uh, the inspired writer would say about recreation for Christians. Because growing up uh, in the Adventist church, I've heard all kinds of things that um, Christians should and should not do. So I was curious uh, about reading this chapter. Um, and it starts out, she says, in the first paragraph, I was shown that Sabbath keepers as a people labor too hard without allowing themselves change or periods of rest. Recreation is needful to those who are engaged in physical labor and is still more essential for those whose labor is principally mental. It is not essential to our salvation, nor for the glory of God, to keep the mind laboring constantly and excessively, even upon religious themes. There are amusements such as dancing, card playing, chess, checkers, etc., which we cannot approve because heaven condemns them. These amusements open the door for great evil. They are not beneficial in their tendency, but have an exciting influence, producing in some minds a passion for those plays which lead to gambling and dissipation. And she says all such plays should be condemned by Christians and something perfectly harmless should be substituted in their place. So, in this opening paragraph, she is saying that we as Christians cannot just be all work and all, of, all about work, that we need to not um, completely um, 
completely wear ourselves down by too much labor, whether it's physical labor or mental labor. And, but she does delineate some things that um, we as Christians should stay away from. Now, I've always heard uh, dancing, card playing, um, those kind of things, uh, amusement parks, movie theaters, those kind of things. I had never personally heard chess before. And uh, so that was a new one for me. Um, anything, Paula, that you had not heard before? Uh no. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, and so, and I'm sure this is not the, the, the limit of the list. And because she was writing prior to her death in 1919, um, I'm sure that if she were alive today, there's many more things that we have on our plate that uh, are available to us to put on our plate that um, she would say that heaven does not approve of. I'm not going to speak for her. Um, and, uh, and, and try to guess what those things would be. But uh, basically anything it says that has an in exciting influence and producing in, in the mind a passion to do those things, uh, which lead to gambling and dissipation. So um, anything that, that we in, the, in this century now have available to us that will basically leads us away from Christ uh, then those are things that amusements that and activities that um, I believe would be condemned. Um, let's go down to um, paragraph 514.3. And in there she says that um, she's talking about families living in a city or village. She said, let them unite and leave the occupations which have taxed them physically and mentally and make an excursion to the country to the side of a lake or a nice uh, grove where the scenery of nature is beautiful. And she says that in doing that, we should provide ourselves plain hygienic food, uh, the very best fruits and grains and spread our table under the shade of some tree or under the canopy of heaven. And she says the ride, the exercise and the scenery will quicken the appetite and we can enjoy a repast which kings might envy. So basically, she is talking about um, taking time, leaving the city, going into the country, going into a quiet place where we can commune with nature and um, uh, take our food with us and, and, and maybe have some sort of sporting games, volleyball or something like that, or, or, or hiking or something like that, that because uh, she's saying the exercise. So. Um, she didn't specifically say what exercise, but I'm assuming, um, you know, hiking the trails or, or volleyball or something like that uh, would be something that, uh, depending on what day of the week you're, you're, you're going, if you're going on Sabbath, obviously you're not trying to do volleyball, but if you're going on Sunday, then yeah, that would be per perhaps an appropriate sport to do on Sundays. Uh, and good, wholesome food, hygienic, good, wholesome food, uh, the very best fruits and grains. Um, so, uh, that is certainly something that, um, we can, um, put in our, our notepad, uh, down in the next paragraph, she says, parents should become children with their children, making everything as pleasant for them as possible. She says, let the whole day be given to recreation, exercise in the open air for those whose employment has been indoors and sedentary will be beneficial to their health. 
All who can should feel it a duty to pursue this course. Nothing will be lost but much gained. She says that then they can return to their occupations with new life and new courage to engage in their labor with zeal. And they are better prepared to resist disease. You know, what's interesting when when reading this chapter, we know that the seventh day Sabbath was given for us to rest. And it is a day that we are able to come aside from the world. And it's a day that we are able to enter into that rest that God has for us. But she's saying even over and above that, that we should spend some some recreation time with our families or uh, just recreation time away from work um, to to regroup and to just kind of uh, be in a better place so that when we return to work, uh, she says, with new life, new courage and new zeal, basically. Uh, Any comments? Okay, down in the next paragraph, uh, wait a minute. Uh, She's saying that that she saw only a few realize that constant wearing labor of those who are bearing the responsibilities of the work in the office. They're confined indoors day after day, week after week, while a constant strain upon the mental powers is surely undermining their constitutions and lessening their hold on life. These brethren are in danger of breaking suddenly. They are not immortal, and without a change, they will wear out and be lost to the work. So I guess she's talking about office workers here and how um, just a constant grind is not good, and it's a strain on the mental powers, um, and that um, a break should be taken. Um, I know uh, there's a gentleman at at our church, and uh, he gets, I think he's got, he's accumulated quite a lot of vacation time, but he doesn't like taking his vacations. And he said, well, he said, well, when I come back, all the work will still be there and it'll still be more, and it'll be more at that point. Uh, And um, so he, he doesn't take vacations, but this saying here that, yeah, we need to take time off and we need to go and refresh and recoup and um, then come back after we've done that. Uh, let's see. Let's go down to uh, paragraph 516.1. And it starts off saying, I saw that these brethren could benefit the cause of God by attending as often as practicable convocation meetings at a distance from their place of labor. And in the preceding paragraph, she was again talking about um, that uh, laborers who were overworking and overworking in the cause of the Lord. And and she doesn't differentiate between overworking in the Lord's cause versus just overworking, you know, in a normal uh, earthly temporal setting. And that um, the, she says the Lord does not, I'm going back up to the preceding paragraph. She said, the Lord does not require them to become martyrs to his cause at this time. You know, everything has a time and a season. And uh, if you remember in the Bible, there were many times when Jesus was pressed about and uh, he would just disappear because he said it was not yet his time. Well, she's saying here that uh, it's not, it was not time at that point for uh even those who were working in in his in his vineyard to wear themselves out and become, and die and become martyrs to the cause, and so she said 
they will obtain no reward for making this sacrifice because God wants them to live. So she said they can serve the cause of present truth far better with their lives, by their lives than by their deaths. And so uh, then she was saying down in the next paragraph that I started off reading that she saw that these would benefit by attending as often as practical convocation meetings at a distance from their place of labor. So basically maybe going to uh, seminars or camp meeting or something away from and out of their normal territory so that they won't feel the need to jump in and work. And um, she said that the work committed to them is important and they need healthy nerves and brains, but it is impossible for their minds to be enlivened and invigorated as God would have them while they're incessantly confined at the office. And she said, I was shown that it would be a benefit to the cause at large for these men standing at the head of the work. And she was at that point in time uh, at Battle Creek to become acquainted with their brethren abroad by associating with them in meetings. And it will give the brethren abroad confidence in those who are bearing the responsibilities of the work and will relieve these brethren of the taxation upon the brain and will make them better acquainted with the progress of the work and the wants of the cause. So basically she was saying that those in Battle Creek should basically, I guess, take some time, go, go over, go overseas or whatever and, and get to know them and meet with them and, um, but not be actively working. Um, I guess a, 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 a um, what are those vacations where they're vacations, but you're also um, making um, contacts with people and, um, that's what she's suggesting there. And she says that this will enliven their hope, renew their faith and increase their courage. And she said the time taken will not be lost, but will be spent to the very best advantage. These brethren have qualities which render them in the highest degree capable of enjoying social life. They would enjoy their stay at the homes of brethren abroad and would, be, and would benefit and be benefited by an interchange of thought and views. So. Um, she is suggesting in this chapter about, about um, uh, the kind of amusements that, that Christians should have is still it's, it's to go and associate with someone somewhere else, whether it's in another country, whether it's in another town, another church, whatever, and um, just interchange thoughts and ideas and um, talk about things and a better way to do things perhaps, or, or maybe sometimes you don't know it's a better way until you begin to talk to somebody and uh, realize that you hadn't tried it that way before. Um, any comment? Okay, um, our class, uh, we don't have the normal number of people for our class today. Uh, so we're just gonna carry on anyhow. Um, uh, in the next uh, paragraph, paragraph 516.2, uh, she's talking about a particular uh, man that she calls Brother C. And she says she appeals to him to change his course of life. She said he cannot exercise as others in the office can. She says indoor sedentary employment is preparing him for a sudden breakdown. He cannot always do it as he has done. He must spend more time in the open air with periods of light labor and some special nature of some special nature or exercise of a pleasant recreative character. That's why I was saying something like a game, uh, volleyball. I mean, depending on how old this, this, this person was, but 
uh, something that's suitable to his age as far as uh, a recreation. Uh, and she said, such con confinement as he has imposed upon himself would break down the constitution of the strongest animal. It is cruel, it is wicked, it is a sin against himself and against which I raise my voice in warning. Brother C, she's telling him, more of your time must be spent in the open air, in riding or in pleasant exercise, or you must die. Your wife become a widow and your children who love you so much become orphans. She says, Brother C is qualified to edify others in the exposition of the word. He can serve the cause of God and benefit himself by going out to the large gatherings of Sabbath keepers and bearing his testimony for the edification of those who are privileged to hear him. This change would bring him more out of doors into the open air. His blood flows sluggishly through his veins for want of the vivifying air of heaven. Now that's something, especially for a lot of us who, and especially during this pandemic, um, a lot where a lot of us have been sheltering at home, or, or, or have now resorted to working from home to some extent. And uh, uh, this is telling for us because it's saying that we need to get outside into the air, into the fresh air, into the sunshine as much as possible uh, to um, keep our health and vigor up, you know? And basically she's saying nobody is meant to stay indoors all the time. And so I would say, even for those people who are sick, but if they can even sit outside for a little a while um, during the week or each week, that, that that would benefit them. They would get the fresh air. They would get the sunshine. Um, and even if they're not able to go for walks or go exercise or, or do a lot of the things that able-bodied people are able to do, that it, they would still be benefited if they got outside of their houses. Even the bedridden, especially the bedridden, uh, would be benefited if they got outside of their houses. Uh, into the sunshine and fresh air. Um, she says that this brother C has done well his part in the work at the office, but still he has needed the electrifying influence of pure air and sunlight out of doors to make his work still more spiritual and enlivening. Um, that's what we just talked about. Any comments? Uh, down in the next chapter, uh, paragraph, she's talking about her own husband. And she's saying that she was shown in, on June 5th of 1863 that her husband should preserve his strength and health. She said, for God had yet a great work for them both to do. And that um, in God's providence, they had obtained an experience in the work from its very commencement, and thus their labors would be of greater account to his cause. She said, I saw that my husband's constant and excessive labor was exhausting his fund of strength, which God would have him preserve, and that if he continued to overtask his physical and mental energies as he had been doing, he would be using up his future resources of strength and exhausting the capital and will break down prematurely and the cause of God would be deprived of his labor. And so she was basically saying that even her own husband was working too hard in the service of the Lord. And you know, that's funny for, for some of us because how many of us really think we're working too hard in the service of the Lord or, may, or, or do we think we're working too little in the service of the Lord or just enough? Uh, but uh, I don't think, a lot of us would have that problem of working too hard in the service of the Lord. 
Uh, but there were people that did, and her husband was one of them. And um, so she was cautioning him even to say, you know, you can't keep working like this or uh, the cause will be, the cause of God will be um, hindered because we will lose you and then um, you will not be able to uh, assist the way you have been. And she said much of the time he was performing labor connected with the office that someone else could do or he was engaged in business transactions, which he should avoid. And so she said, God would have us preserve our, both reserve our strength to be used when specially required to do that work, which others could not do. And for which he had raised us up, preserved our lives and given us a valuable experience. And in this way, he could be a benefit to his people. So she was uh, suggesting, uh, you remember in the Bible when uh, Moses was leading the children of Israel and he was trying to do everything and he was wearing himself out, literally wearing himself out. He was trying to judge all the disputes and trying to handle everything. And, and, and remember that there was a great multitude, a mixed multitude of the children of Israel and the Egyptians. And so it was too much for him. And his father-in-law suggested that he uh, uh, appoint captains of thousands, captains of 10,000s, and um, that they would hear the disputes and, and, and settle them. And then if any dispute that they could not settle, then he would settle. And, and really that was the forerunner of our court system because we have our state courts, then we have our state Supreme Court, then we have our lower, lower level federal court, then we have our court of appeals, the federal level, but also at the state level. And then our Supreme Court, our United States Supreme Court. So basically, Moses set out the, um, the uh, plan for our court system. And basically that certain courts would decide certain matters and then, then the next courts, next higher courts would decide the next matters and so forth, all the way up to both the state and the federal Supreme Court. And so uh, this is what she was urging her husband to do basically is assign, let someone else do some of those tasks and then the ones that they were not able to do or handle or cope with, then, then her husband should do. And in that way, he could preserve and reserve his energy and his time. Um, let's see. Let's go down to. I have a comment. I oh, have my hand up. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Back, uh, that's okay. Um, back to the text when she's talking about mental and physical strength, she mm -hmm. likens it as to like um, money. Almost, she says uh, he's ex he's exhausting his funds of energy. He's using mm -hmm. up his capital and uh, tapping into his future reserves. It makes it sound like that we only are given just so much strength and vitality. I mean, we're only given 24 hours a day to get something done and then we yeah. have to sleep. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like you may, you know, that it's limited in some way. Mm -hmm. I mean, people do marathons, the ultra athletes, the tri triathletes, you know, so mm -hmm. I never heard that, you know, in um, biology or, you know, in studies mm -hmm. or anything that we have a limited reserve of strength. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's a, a good thing to point out and for us to know. And it's like, <laughs> we need to reserve that. Uh, 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 
put it in a savings account, so to speak, huh? <laughs> so it can gain some interest. Um, okay, uh, let's go down to paragraph 518.2. And here she says, when God speaks, he means what he says. When he cautions, it becomes those noticed to take heed. The reason why I now speak publicly is that the same caution which was given to my husband has been given to others connected with the work, basically. She said, I saw that unless they change their course of action, they are just as liable to be stricken down as was my husband. I am not willing that others should suffer as he has done. But that which is most to be dreaded is they would be lost for a time to the cause and work of God with the help and influence of all. When the, when the help and influence of all are so much needed. So she's saying basically, you know what? God is telling you that you need to take some time off. You need to, you need to take some time to recover and recuperate and then go forward and not just continually charge forward and not just continually just going. You know, Lord says pray without ceasing. He does not say work without ceasing. So, um, that was an admonition to those, even in the work, in the cause of God, that you cannot, and, and God even regards it as a sin to work to the point where you are, have depleted your health. Um, let's see, down at uh, the bottom of the next paragraph, 518.3, she says, it is not merely the gatherers of the fruit that are the essential laborers. All who assist in digging about the plants, watering, pruning, and lifting up the drooping trailing vines and leading their tendrils to entwine about the true trellis, the sure support are workmen who cannot be spared. And so basically um, she's saying there that the, the, uh, the ones that were working themselves to, to, to exhaustion, she said, it's not just them that are essential laborers. She says all others who are helping uh, and can help and should help are vital. And so they should take advantage of all those other ones that can help. Um, let's see, let's go down to paragraph 519.2. And I'm kind of in the middle of that paragraph. And she says that, um, well, she starts off that paragraph talking about how her husband thought that he should not spend time in any type of social enjoyment, that he couldn't afford to rest and that the work in the office would suffer if he, if he rested or if he took a break. And she says, but she says, after the blow fell upon him causing physical and mental sickness, I'm just gonna say it like that, the work had to be carried on without him anyway. She said, and I saw that the brethren engaged in the responsible labor in the office should work upon a different plan and make their arrangements to have a change. Basically, don't just keep working, 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 working until your health fails you. She said, if more help is needed, obtain it and let relief come to those who are suffering from constant confinement and brain labor. They should attend convocation meetings. They need to throw off care, share the hospitality of their brethren and enjoy their society and the blessings of the meetings. They will thus receive fresh thoughts and their wearied energies will be awakened to new life. And they will return to the work far better qualified to perform their part 
for they will better understand the wants of the cause. Uh, when she says they should attend convocation meetings, um, that reminds me of the, I think Oakwood once a year has the ministerial council where the pastors all come together and uh, just kind of, uh, they spend a week, I believe, uh, coming together, sharing ideas, preaching. And uh, then they, I, I believe they come back refreshed for the work and refreshed for the cause. And those are the kind of things that I, it sounds like she's recommending. Uh, for the leaders to do. Um, let's go down to the bottom of paragraph 520.1. And um, she's talking about um, basically Brother C again and how he's going to die from want of air and that the course he is pursuing is really shortening his life. And through being confined to the office all the time, his blood is becoming foul and sluggish. His liver is deranged. The action of his heart is not right. And she says, unless he works a change for himself, nature will take the work into her own hands. And she will make a grand attempt to relieve the system by expelling the impurities from the blood. She said, she will summon nature, meaning nature will summon all the vital powers to work and the whole organism will be deranged. And all this may end in paralysis or apoplexy. She said, if he would ever, would ever recover from this crisis, his loss of time would be great, meaning that we, he, would have, he would have been out sick for quite a while before he could even return. He said, she said, but the probabilities of his, his even recovering were very small. And she said, if Brother C cannot be aroused, I advise you, brethren, who have an interest in the cause of present truth, to take him as Luther was taken by his friends and carry him away from his work. So she's saying it is so important that we not overwork that she's even saying, friends, if that's your friend, you see somebody in that position and they are overworking, go take them away from their work. Um, and then she says, um, in the final paragraph, she says that, since writing the above, she said, I learned that most of thoughts on the revelation was written in the night after the author's day's work was done. This was the course which my husband pursued. I protest against such suicide. So basically, I think she's talking about people who work all day at the normal jobs and then they work all night at something else that they feel that the Lord is driving them to do. And she said, and I think she was talking about Brother C here, but then she also talked about her husband having done the same thing. He would work all day in the office and then he would come home and work all night on something else that, that he believed or that was you know, in the service of the Lord. Go ahead, Paul. Well, that's women. That's expected of us all the time. We work a job, maybe more than one, and still have to come home and take care of house and home. So, you know, that old saying, a woman's work is never done. So how do you apply that to us? Ooh, that's a good question. I think that um, it is important when, if you're living in a marital relationship that the, that the household things be shared. If you have children, that needs to be shared. Um, household things need to be shared more evenly and not just, okay, someone does something occasionally or once a week or once every two weeks. I think that that, that, that burden needs to be equally shared. And that it's not 
here's here's my take on it. If a woman is going out and, and well, let me put it like this: if you don't have the traditional biblical uh, marriage where the husband works and the wife stays home and takes care of the home exclusively, but the wife is going out and helping to maintain their standard of living and she's working, then I think that that it is very unfair if the husband thinks that all he has to do is work his job and then come home and sit around and watch TV and w- wait to be waited on and wait for dinner and, and, and all of that. And so I, I think that's a, a very unfair proposition and that if she is helping to maintain the standard of living and she's paying some of the bills, then the husband needs to be helping equally in the household. What are your thoughts, Paula? Oh, you know, I agree. <laughs> now, if you're living alone that's one thing and if you're living alone you don't have children that that's one thing because you can take your time and do it however you want to when you feel like it or when you don't feel like it you know but if you're running actually running a household then uh, things can't just go at your pace of when you feel like it things mm-hmm. have to get done when they have to get done I you know? and believe me single people run a household because some things <laughs> do have a time clock on them yeah but yeah. uh if you, because uh, if you have a house, you cut your own grass, you paint your own barn, whatever it is, and you mm-hmm, cook your own mm-hmm. meals and wash your own dishes and do your own laundry, it still right. needs to be done. Right. But um, that tradition is a man-made tradition where a woman stays home and a man um, who can afford to do that now. I mean, pe- people still do, but even a housewife, that still works. She's working 24 seven. Again, her work is never done. That's still a job. But in the Bible, it even says, you know, a woman blesses a home when she goes out and tills and mends. And um, I forgot, it's under, I think it's under the uh, thing about a virtuous woman, how she blesses her home. And she, this woman works outside, outside her home and helps provide and then does things at home. So it's almost like built in. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that if you if you have a home where there's give and take on all sides, then one person is not all worn out all the time. You know, uh, I think about like, like even at my home, you know, I will get up after we've had dinner. It's late. I'm exhausted. I really want to stay in the bed, but I'll get on up and say, you know what? I would rather go on in and get the kitchen cleaned up. And so that it's fresh for the next day or whatever, you know, or the food needs to be put away or whatever. It has to be done. Somebody's got to do it, you know? It's not that I want to do it all the time, but it just has to be done. So uh, I think that um, when you have a a relationship, there should be that thoughtfulness, you know, uh, that thoughtfulness and that sharing, you know, of of the responsibilities and the daily chores. Uh, Let's see. she said, the brethren, I'm reading again the last paragraph. She said, the brother, brethren whom I have mentioned who are so closely confined in the office would be serving the cause of God by attending meetings and taking periods of recreation. They will be preserving physical health and mental strength in the best condition to devote to the work. They should not be left to feel crippled because they are not earning wages. Their wages should go on and they be free. They are doing a great work. So basically she's... She was an advocate for paid time off, basically. <laughs> uh, and that they should, they should not uh, feel like if they take time off, they won't be able to take care of their families because they won't get paid or whatever. And isn't it interesting that that, that, that works for men, but initially for a while, you know, when women would t- 
take off and have babies and stuff. That was unpaid leave, you know. But uh, it was always paid leave for men. It's always been paid leave for men when they would take off on vacation or take off for something. Um, let's see. Okay. Any other comments, Paula? Nope. Okay. I think next week uh, Elder, Elder Carroll is teaching and uh, he's going to be in chapter 17 of Heaven. And so um, for those who are, will be joining us next week, we will be following on with the book Heaven in chapter 17. And uh, thank you for joining us today. And we appreciate uh, this time with you. And uh, Paula, do you mind praying us out? Sure. Uh, thank you for the class. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for bringing us to yet another Sabbath day. We know that you made our bodies to work six days and to rest and enjoy in you, but you also are telling us that we need to guard our health, enjoy nature, unwind and take care of these temples that you have given us. And even if we're working for you, Lord, we need a break and need to socialize and, and uh, again, take care of this temple so that we can better serve you fully and efficiently. I pray for each one here and the members that weren't able to make it. I pray for our church on a whole. And um, of course, protect all the children, Father God. Forgive us for our sins and let us go and be a light to someone and a blessing to someone in your name this week. In Jesus' holy name, amen. 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 All right. Uh, we'll see you again next week. God bless. Okay.